Clerk, again to the pulpit. Welcome again. Thank you. Thank you again, Phil. Good morning, everybody. What a great privilege and a uh, great risk Robert took giving me the pulpit again. Boy, I'm amazed at people's short memory. Uh, and uh, if God allows, next week I'll be back again. And uh, as, as uh, your pastor is uh, vacating, retreating somewhere with someone. Um, this morning, it's uh, just want to give you a short update on uh, some people that I serve in North Africa. As, as I mentioned before, as you're aware, if you receive our prayer, and you read our prayer letters, Joe, thank you. Uh, we have 10 imprisoned followers of Jesus in North Africa, in Libya, and uh, among them, a brother we call Ted. He's a Nigerian. He's, he's uh, one of my team leaders. Um, Hebrews 13.3 says to remember the prisoners as if in prison with them. And I've often thought during these, this season uh, how I would respond, behave, if I was left in a prison cell for not weeks but months on end, having no Bible, no communication with my family, no news except what filters in through uh, the, the, the guards, no music, perhaps other than the Quran being uh, piped in possibly 24 hours a day. I'm just not sure, but it's, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, what would I do with my time? How would I deal with the inevitable sense that wondering, the, the thoughts that go through the mind, am I being forgotten by people? Are people advocating for me, trying to get me out of here? I wonder how my wife and kids are doing. Um, what would I do? Uh, every morning, well, I wondered about Ted, and I'm, uh, I remember what, what a great impression Ted has been on me. Every morning he would rise at this time of year, probably about 5.30 in the morning, wake up his wife, wake up the kids, and up they would get into the living room to begin about an hour of worship, recitation of the Psalms, and prayer for the nations. Every day they pray for me. I can just imagine that Ted has continued that, that very habit. Um, and I have very little doubt that the two lessons from Psalm 103 that I'll be sharing with you today are precisely what Ted is doing. But before we look into Psalm 103, thank you, Lord, for, for this book. Let me just give you some, some recall with you what some of the general observations are about the Psalms. And this psalm in particular, it's a very special psalm. You know, Psalm 103, uh, since at least the second century, possibly as far back as the Lord Jesus' day, we know this from the Jerusalem Talmud, is recited once a month at the beginning of the month by every Orthodox Jew as he prays. 
I'm intrigued by the thought that Jesus probably knew, well, what am I saying? He's God. Psalm 103 by heart. By at least, uh, if, if not just by divine uh, capacity and being the author of, of all scripture, but also by practice with his fellow Jews. This is one of the Psalms of David which is not tied, interestingly, to an historical event. David had this habit of, of writing these psalms um, after the, you recall, after being chased by Saul in the cave of Abdullam. It says, written from the cave of Abdullam. I'm intrigued. Did he actually sit down and write these things in the midst of the difficulty? Did he write Psalm, Psalm 3 when he was on the run from Absalom? when he was on the right side, the east side of Jordan? That's what the text suggests. Or Psalm 51, a, a psalm rooted in the history of David's repentance after his sin with Bathsheba. But this is not like that. This is a different kind of psalm. David, who wrote at least 47, 49 of the psalms, uh, many of them are just like this one, where it says just a psalm of David. Well, Steve, is that part of scripture? You know what? These subscriptions in the, in the text, in the Hebrew text, are just as old as the texts that we have. Both in the Masoretic text, those were old texts, and in the Septuagint, and in the Dead Sea Scrolls. The subscriptions are there. So I personally treat them as though they're scripture. It just says it's a Psalm of David. It's one of his songs that he wrote. I love this psalm because it's written by someone just like me. A lusty sinner who broke all the commandments and found forgiveness and refuge, strength against the giants while in my calling by the power of the gospel. A sinner all of his life. You know, the sin of Bathsheba occurred in the, probably the first half of David's life, of his ministry, his 40 years of ministry as king. And then we look at the end of, was it 2 Samuel that we read? The end of 2 Samuel where David sinned at the end of his life and 72,000 Israelis died as a result of him saying, let's count all my soldiers to see how many I have. David reveled in the gospel. He loved the gospel. What do you mean, Steve? How could he know the gospel? I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, I'm intrigued by what you read. Uh, who read the scripture this morning in 1 Samuel, uh, 2 Samuel 21? Did you note it said that, and the Philistines rose up again for war? Whoa, this is after David had done all these great things for God. And the Philistines are still hanging around. Men and women, it's war until we're taken home to be with Jesus. And you need this psalm. You need the gospel. We need the gospel every day. And I know you guys. I've known many of you, some of you, for over 40 years. Isn't that something? I know your hearts, that you um, are working hard. You wrestle with the, uh, the concept of raising a godly offspring and their offspring now, and to be faithful in the dozen other responsibilities that you have. 
I know your heart. Um, I know that at the end of the day, you're just like David in the sense that you want to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. How do you do that? Men and women, let me suggest Psalm 103 points the way. I was um, going to read the whole psalm. In fact, I think I will. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not even one of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor has he rewarded us according to our iniquity. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. For just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As the flower of the field, so it flourishes. But when the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And his place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness, the hessed love of God, is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness, grandparents, listen, to his children's children to those who keep his covenant and who remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all, every detail. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength to perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his. In all places of his dominion, bless the Lord, O my soul. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would open up the word of God just this morning. By the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to suggest that the two lessons we're going to learn from this psalm in the next couple of minutes, here at quarter to eight in the morning. Um, the, the clock is not working. Um, Suggest to us our first approach to dealing with any difficulty as the Philistines rise up again to war. The first line of defense against anger and weariness, depression, discouragement, guilt, the sense of insignificance, our overwhelming sense of inadequacy sometimes, lacking insight, needing perseverance, any personal need. I just made a blanket statement that this is the first line of defense. You're going to say when I share that first lesson, is that all? <laughs> but it's important. By the way, I checked all my Hebrew exegesis with, uh, with a rabbi in Israel. 
before I, I shared this with you. Oh, by the way, he's a Frontiers team leader, planting churches among Muslims. He's an ordained uh, Jewish rabbi and a Frontiers uh, missionary who has planted two churches among Muslims. A very strange man. <laughs> Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Verse 2, you see that? Here's what we call a Hebrew parallelism. Skip knows what I'm talking about here, where the first part of the statement is A, and then he makes another. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And then he says the same thing in slightly different language. Bless the Lord, O my soul, B, and forget none of his benefits. Classic. In this case, we can say that the second line is a way to do the first line. How do we bless the Lord? We do it by not forgetting any of his benefits. How do we please the Lord? By not forgetting any of his benefits. The NIV correctly puts it. This I noticed you read from the NAS. I like that. Uh, that's what I use. But the NIV uh, correctly puts a dash after verse 2 before it starts listing what those benefits are. And David begins to list them, five of them. He says, uh, he pardons all your iniquity. He redeems, uh, he, he heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with loving kindness and compassion so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Uh, and uh, blesses you with good things, satisfies you with good things. The primary way, and firstly, that we handle life issues is by not forgetting. Not forgetting. Because remembering the mighty works and benefits of God precede everything else in your walk. Isaiah 51.12. Thank you, uh, Daryl, for demonstrating how Scripture enlightens Scripture. Isaiah 51.12 says, Why are you afraid of mortal men? Because you forgot the Lord your Maker, who stretched out the heaven. 2 Peter 1, we read that this, this morning. It says, apply all diligence, and then he gives a list of how you apply all the diligence to your faith. He says, if you lack these qualities and are not growing, then you are blind, short-sighted, and have forgotten your purification from sin. More than 55 times in the Bible, the Lord exhorts us, do not forget. Do not forget. Romans 1 teaches us that we have a natural propensity to forget in dealing with that sin nature. It's an ingrained capacity or a, a, a detractor from the capacity to remember. But the Bible teaches us that we are recipients of his goodness and his grace. But we drag around this thing called the flesh and the sin nature, which wars against our capacity to remember. This is a really big deal to God that we remember. I love this chick flick with my wife. Uh, I got your attention. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which one? Uh, you, heaven Can Wait. I love that movie. 
lousy theology, but a great metaphor. Uh, Reese Witherspoon and Mark Ruffalo. Uh, Reese Witherspoon is in the hospital in a coma, and uh, her family has rented out her apartment because she's been in there for months. Rented her apartment to a guy, and somehow in her psyche, she visits her apartment, meets Mark Ruffalo. They fall in love, and uh, before the movie is over, he saves her life by preventing them from turning off the, the life support. He saves her life, and she wakes up and forgets him. <laughs> the man who saved her life, her savior, she forgets him. Guys, we are dramatically inclined to forget. Our flesh wars against the things of the spirit. Allured by the world system and by the flesh and the deceiver. All working against our remembering. The source of life. Our savior. And so we counter it. How do we counter it? How do we remember? Well, we put up paintings of scripture on our walls, don't we? We wear this jewelry around our neck or around our uh, tattooed on our head. I've noticed this is a new thing. Tattooing wedding rings on, the, on here, as my, two of my sons have done. Um, we we uh, get memory packs. How many of you were navigators? I bet you were not. Did you ever have a memory pack to flash through your scripture memory pack? We have bread and wine to remember the elements of the body and the blood of Jesus. We use icons and candles and statues and tattoos on your ankle with an ichthus. We have Bible verses on headstones and other hidden places, things to help us remember. Oh, because we are prone to wander. Lord, we know it. Prone to leave the Lord we love. But not forgetting any of his benefits is a big deal to God. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that we have no problem remembering the lousy things that people say about us and to us. Our souls are like Velcro when it comes to those statements, aren't they? How do you get them off? But when it comes to remembering the benefits and blessings that have come to us from others and particularly the Lord, our souls are like Teflon. We forget. This is a big deal. The effect of sin upon dislocating our heart has the effect of screwing up our memory. So what do we do about it? We do what David did. Look at this, and this is the second thing. Not only do we not forget, but we recite to ourselves those benefits. Fascinating, fascinating idea. Look at this. Don't, don't miss this this morning. When David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, is this a prayer? It's not. He's not preaching to Israel. He's not preaching firstly to his readers. He's not even preaching to the Lord or saying something to the God. He's speaking to himself. Look at it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. 
speaking to himself again, bless the Lord. We don't hear any prayer or adulation of God really forthright until you get to the end, the last three verses. Does he start to exhort people, telling others to bless the Lord? This is something, speaking to oneself, the benefits of the Lord, is something that Jeremiah did, Samuel did, the, other, the, the sons of Korah, as they wrote their psalms, and I suggest even Paul the Apostle said the same thing. For example, in Psalm 42 and 43, we see something repeated three, well, stated three times, the same phrase. It is, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you, speaking to himself, become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Look, the psalmist is preaching to himself, to his own soul, declaring himself to himself what is true and what is great about the benefits of the Lord to him. One of the best books of my, as Dwayne Dunham used to say, uh, Your Four-Foot Stack. Uh, the, your best books. One of the books of my four-foot stack is um, Spiritual Depression by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Bad title, great book. And uh, in it, he has a, a chapter on Psalm 42 in which he talks about this. He says this about that. And I quote, I don't want to get it wrong. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness is life in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they're talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. Somebody's talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now this man in Psalms 42 was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? He asks his soul has been depressed, crushing him. So he stands up and says, Self, listen to me, and I will speak to you. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his countenance. On this side of the cross, and I continue quoting, we know the greatest ground for our hope, the Lord Jesus Christ, crucified for our sins, triumphant over death. So the main thing we must learn to preach is the gospel to ourselves. By the way, uh, in Lloyd-Jones's biography, his wife says that he used to spend hours pacing back and forth in his home, speaking to himself in the presence of God what was true about text and identity. I said that Paul the Apostle also did this. This passage in Ephesians 5 you, you, is, is very interesting where, he, where Paul says how to be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit and then he uses, a, I think he describes how. Speaking to yourselves or speaking to yourselves grammatically it is the same speaking to yourself or speaking among yourselves. Speaking to yourselves psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. 
I suggest to you that you cannot speak to others psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs unless you've first been doing it to yourself. Speaking to yourself. The, this idea is, is, is also emphasized or fortified by the fact that Paul said, then says, making melody in your heart to the Lord. And that parallel passage in, Psalm, in Colossians 3 says exactly the same thing. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. We need to speak to ourselves what is true. And I contend that unless you are first preaching to yourself, you won't be doing it with one another. Um, exactly what is it that you're to remember? What do you declare to yourself? Well, according to Paul or David in Psalm 103, it is all his benefits. Look at the last part of verse 2. It doesn't say all his attributes, although that's wonderful. It's a good thing to do, too. But it says his benefits. Remember all his benefits. God's work in your life, his mighty blessings, his insights, his mighty work on your behalf, in other words, the gospel. Remember the gospel to preach it to yourself. You say, well, David lived a thousand years before Jesus. How could he be preaching the gospel to himself? Men and women, Psalm 103, and in fact, the whole scripture is pregnant with the gospel. I find this intriguing. Look at verse 8, for example. David quotes that, in fact, he quotes it 12 to 15 times in all his psalms, in some form, the passage from Exodus chapter 34, where it says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Now, if you go back to the original source of that, it's followed in the next verse in Exodus 34 by, and the Lord will, not, will, will punish wrongdoers to the third and fourth generation. You're going to catch it. But what does Paul do? Or rather, what does David do? He says, the Lord's not going to keep his anger forever. He's not, he's not going to deal with us according to our sins. What is David doing? Is he contradicting Moses in previous scripture? No. David, I think, is taking to heart passages like Isaiah 53 where it says, The Lord, though we are all sinners, the Lord has taken the iniquity of us all and placed it upon him. The gospel. which is exactly what David does in Psalm 103. We do not pay for our sins. And David, being such a sinner, was so joyful at that prospect, wasn't he? Wow, what a passage. Where did that sin go? It went on the Lamb of God. We forget God, but he remembered us. While we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. And although we forgot him, Jesus became forsaken and forgotten by God so that we would always be remembered. In that last scene in that movie of uh, Heaven Can Wait, it's maybe months have gone by, and she's got this, Reese has this, this nagging sense that she's forgotten something. 
really important or someone. But she doesn't remember. In the meantime, Mark Rufio is up on her, her roof preparing a garden which she loves, this idyllic garden of Eden on her roof. And she, at the end of the movie, she goes up to the garden. She sees it all. She sees him again. But now she remembers. Her eyes are open. She falls into his arms and they live happily ever after. Because the one she had forgotten remembered her. It's a beautiful scene. Lousy theology, but good <laughs> metaphor. Isn't it easy to forget the gospel, men and women? In order to be remembered by God, Jesus had to become forsaken and forgotten by God so that we could be remembered. So how does David do it? How does David recite it? He walks through those five things. He pardons all your iniquities. Men and women, do you struggle with guilt? Remember the benefit of the cross. He heals all of our diseases. Do you feel like you're never going to get better? Your body is not your own, says 1 Corinthians. It was bought with a price, and it's his body. By his stripes you are healed, often in this life and always in the life to come. As I reminded Everett this, Everett this morning, as I stopped by to see him on the way in. <coughs> he redeems your life from the pit. Are you afraid of dying? There's your hope and experience. He crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. You feeling dishonored? Upset with criticism? Here is your crown of honor. He satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Are you worried about the future? Concerned about finances and being forgotten? Here's your assurance. So, don't forget any of his benefits. Remember them and recite them to yourself. Preach to yourself that which is true, just like David did, just like the psalmist did, just like Paul did. I want to thank you, uh, friends, this church, for 40 years of praying for us and supporting us financially. I am so thankful and thank you, Gloria and Everett, for so faithfully shepherding this church and leaving such a heritage of Bible-loving obedience, uh, Jesus-exalting example. I, uh, Jim and Jean aren't here, but I'm grateful for 40-plus years of blessing that they've been to me and my family in ways that uh, I've never mentioned to you all here. Thank you. And Ellen, to the many here who have quietly prayed for us for all those years. Thank you. Thank you for uh, Skip, buddy, for uh, being a model to me. As we went to seminary together, of, uh, of, of, of uh, aspiring to stay current with technology and mm -hmm. drinking good coffee and uh, reading my Greek Bible. Thank you. Thank you to my dear friends, the Shulky, whole tribe, but particularly this, these two down here. Thank you for loving on my family and being so faithful to us all these years. I left home this morning upset at my wife. 
It was stupid. <laughs> Why was upset? It was silly, short-sighted, and stupid. How did I deal with it? Well, I uh, didn't call my wife because I wasn't ready. But I recited to myself, remembering all the benefits of that incredible woman that God has given to me. And I recited them to myself and in my heart. And you know what? I don't grieve anymore. I don't have a grievance, that is. It was many years ago, I sat in, uh, I was in, on the island of Malta with the founding pastor of a, the largest church in the Middle East. His name was Mini Sabdanur. He's now with the Lord. He, uh, he said to me, Steve, I have aspired, he's a great man of God. He says, I have sought to not leave any benefit that anyone has rendered to me to go unthanked. And so I spend quite a bit of time writing notes, writing emails. This may have been before emails. Anyway, uh, notes and faxes, new technology, to people thanking them for some benefit, some kindness, some gift, some whatever. I want to suggest to you to do the same. It works with considering wives, Husbands, it works with considering a wonderful church. And it works with God. And whatever you're confronted with, remember his benefits. Preach to yourself. Remember and speak to yourself what is true. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, the light of the word of God. How good you are to us. Lord, help us to obey the command to remember. Father, pray for, you know the unique challenges each person in this room is facing. The responsibilities and the lists and the regrets and the worries, the concerns. Lord, give grace to remember and to speak to themselves that which is true and to honor you and to bless you thereby. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Before you... Wait a minute, we don't do that at this church. It's time for the piano. Let me just ask, yes, Daryl. You read Psalm 42, verse 5. Yes. You stop a half verse short. You know what the rest? For he is the... Yeah, read it for me. Oh my... God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember. Oh, yes. Yes, Lord, help us. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Steve, for your message. Thank you, ma'am. The Lord bless your mama. Thank you.